Welcome to Should We? Creative conversations about the everyday choices that make us with Lisa Sanchez and Diana Kimball Berlin. Brought to you by MailChimp. Hello, Diana. Hello, Lisa. Uh, Today we have a great question that I find pretty hard to answer. Mm -hmm. Should we take breaks? Should we take breaks? Yep. What do you think about that? Well, obviously, like, you have to, but how and when (laughs) and, like, what should you do once you're on a break? Yeah, I mean, so we just took one. We took a break from recording for several months. And, um, you know, we like had to because so much was going on in our lives. We just needed the intermission. Um, But I would say now being on the other side of that break, I'm glad we did it like for the content of the work because we came back today with such passion, such yeah. excitement. <laughs> like, cannot wait to get into the studio and figure some stuff out live with my friend. Yeah. So, you know, but the but the deciding to take the break was kind of kind of felt like um to me like twisting our arms, like like we had to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I really want to. So much and um, doing the break um, was like kind of hard. I mean, I think breaks are kind of hard. Breaks are hard. They're, I mean, they break, like it broke, you know, all of our habits and processes broke. We broke them. Mm-hmm. And then is it gone forever, just for a while? If you plan to bring it back, how do you stay confident about that? Like, I would have people who really like the show, say, I haven't seen an episode in a while. And I would feel really bad because I like the show too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, TV shows go on breaks. Oh, yeah. They have well, seasons. They have seasons. This wasn't the end of a season, though. That's, I think, where I was twisting our arm. It wasn't oh. like the end of a narrative arc. It was uh, It was sort of more like the cliffhanger. Yeah, it was like Diana's getting married. We need just need to drop the mic and run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like literally. Yeah. It was also hard because it felt like being in the woods in a lot of ways in my life because, you know, I dropped everything to get married and go on a honeymoon. And then when I came back, a bunch of stuff was dropped on the ground and so I had to pick it up one by one. A bunch of the stuff that I was doing to try to live my best life was implicitly time boxed to the time before the wedding. So I had this gym membership that was only a six-month contract that was going to run out right around the wedding. And I haven't been back since. You know, and I had a feeling like, yeah, it's really good to drop things and then pick up, pack up the ones that are still relevant. And my reality of the past few months has been everything is on the floor. Nothing is working. And I just don't know what to do. The reality of the past two months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else would you like to say about that? Well, 
it seems like a necessary process and a growth process and like it's really good to take breaks because when you come back you have more clarity the nature of a break though like a break in habits or a break from even school back in the day is that on the other side there's doubt of return like once you don't have momentum you have to be like wow it's a lot of activation energy to get back into the recording studio it's a lot of energy to like start doing homework again it's a lot of energy to go from not doing something to doing something and so I start to feel like, wow, what if there, what if it would have been better to just keep going because then I could have had a good thing in my life without having to, it doesn't feel fair. I think this is, this is where I get to as somebody who loves starting new things is like restarting an old thing that's still good feels like all of the pain, none of the pleasure. Because mm, it's not really the the pure pleasure of beginning like you know all the steps already mm-hmm. like there's nothing exciting and mysterious about it it's just kind of drudgery to get the momentum going again yeah and i have this phrase that i use with my breakfast advisory board touch every dream so that was my <laughs> that was my mode before in the first half of this year it's not just that i was preparing for a wedding i was really maxing out on every front um trying to see what it was like to be maximally productive maximally myself and maximally supported And so I touched every dream. I like hired an assistant for a few months. I, you know, was exercising and uh, going to get massages. You know, I was doing, I was like buying a wedding dress and like cute everyday clothes. Like it was sort of no holds barred in terms of touching every dream. And my thought process was, oh, I'll touch them and then I'll see which ones are worth it. And then I'll reintroduce the ones that were worth it. But the real feeling I have on the other side is like touching every dream just means nothing's new anymore. Mm. Um, there's something about the just kind of observing your um, first half of the year <laughs> <laughs> where it's it seemed I think there's something I observe there that was about removing delayed gratification. Like like it's just really closing the gap between want and have mm-hmm. or or need and have or or should and am doing. Mm-hmm. You know? It was like just there's a clock ticking toward the wedding, which feels significant and like just why not use that as a um, a milestone for like getting things together, you know, or trying out things that might be true or might feel good or might make this milestone come together better because it's so once in a lifetime, just like why not mm-hmm. just engage with every possibility that might help. Um. And that was, like, really interesting for me to observe because I think that I get a lot of pleasure in mulling over desires. Just, like, maybe I get even more pleasure 
from desiring the, the thing, the experience or whatever, um, than like having it, getting it. I don't know. Like, so now you're on the other side, like, um, now how do you feel about um, the potential for delayed gratification? Well, what I'm really thinking about is that this may be one of the ways we're different that we couldn't see until now. Yeah. And I'm trying to think about, you know, delayed gratification. We did an episode. It was recorded earlier today, but listeners will probably have heard it a few weeks ago yeah. by the time this is released. Um about you being a four on the Enneagram, me being a nine. And yeah. one of the signature characteristics of fours is like being very in touch with their desires. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, as somebody uh, who, you know, the Enneagram says, and I think there's some truth in this, that I've been more disconnected from my desires, mm-hmm. uh, that instant gratification uh, took all of the risk out of having desires, believing that all I need to do is figure out what I want and then there are no barriers to uh, enacting it. Because I think that a lot of the time I think about like the consequences of me fulfilling a desire so deeply. Like I'll think about what the cost will be to my relationships. I'll think about what the cost will be to me financially. I'll think about what the cost will be, you know, of like having a coffee what is the cost to my relationship to addiction and slippery slopes you know like everything is really weighty and so instant gratification gave me a way to have desires because I was removing the entire like consideration and evaluation period where I would think of reasons not to do something yeah it was so such an expansion of your self mm-hmm. a new mode of being and now well I wouldn't say it's an expansion of myself I would say it was an expansion of my footprint it was definitely a way of oh. taking up more space uh-huh. uh, but the space was not me growing it was just me stepping more <laughs> you know like the footprint of I'm picturing me in the center of like a playground uh, basketball court or something doing um like short sprints in every direction in an ever widening circle. Ah. So, yeah, I mean, where am I at now? I honestly feel kind of angry hearing that question because oh. I'm not in a great place. Oh no. Well, Mhm. That's okay. I feel really tired from sprinting around the playground. I feel yeah. like nothing's new anymore. Um And I feel, like, really disappointed in myself for not just staying at peak self-actualization forever, even though I know that would have been – I mean, I think I know that would have been absurd. I mean, it didn't always feel good even when I was doing it, you know. It was just a new way to try being, and it had its own pros and cons. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, you were – Completely immersed in it. Like you were pretty consistent about just keeping that mode for months and months on end. Yeah, I was starting to scare myself a little bit. I was like, maybe there isn't anything I can't do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds exhausting. 
Right. And I wasn't taking very many slash any breaks from that process of self, like footprint expansion. Uh huh. And so now, I mean, I've taken a break from trying so hard, but trying hard is how I feel like myself, maybe. And so not trying at all. I mean, I'm like being abstract, but like I haven't been to a gym in like two months, even though I was like super into my gym. I really liked it. And it would have been so easy in a way to just keep going twice a week and maintain the muscle mass and the posture and the you know sense of self that I developed there. But it felt really necessary at the time to just drop it cold. You know, gym is one. Like, um, I feel like I uh, I haven't been – I haven't really been together at work recently. Like, scattered is the word I keep using. And I feel like the scatteredness is part of a growth spurt. At least that's the story I'm telling myself. But the feeling of being scattered is like it's all falling apart, you know, even though I can recognize that I am still adding value, I'm not doing it in like an internally consistent way. I'm like it's very scattered. I'm adding value in patchy ways, in ways that don't feel like closed loops. It's sort of like all a mess. And what else are you dropping cold? Um, I mean, it's like painful to even try to riffle through it and rifle through it in my memory. But do you want to? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Pain, pain is good. Um, <laughs> pain, pain is the source of real conversations. Um, like probably, uh, probably, like I was on a quest to figure out my digestive system before the wedding, which was like running in parallel to planning a wedding, which seems ridiculous. But like I have trouble digesting garlic and I feel like that's the tip of some iceberg or other. And I found, thanks to my advisory board, and hired a wellness coach who specializes in digestion. I have a great chance of getting to the bottom of it with her. And the one thing she asked me to do was keep a food journal. And I did so very half-heartedly. I had like two weeks to do it. And I maybe captured 40% of two days and like three additional meals. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I just like, even though it was something that I had agreed to, sought out and wanted the outcome of, I just could not, didn't, I, it's not that I could not, I just didn't have the motivation to do it. And likewise with my my own coach and my own coaching relationship, like I've felt recently like I use the phrase bored with what works. Like I am in a very cynical place, unfortunately, in my own life as a client because I feel like I can't use other people's disappointment in me as a bludgeon anymore. Like I've experienced firsthand for the past few months that I can drop a lot of things on the floor and the consequences aren't immediate except for my sense of self. Like the only thing that changes instantly is my sense of self. All other consequences take time 
to manifest. And so the whole like fear-based model of self-motivation, which I had like layered on, I had layered on top of that, like a hope-based model of change sort of with a backstop of fear. And the backstop of fear is gone and hope isn't getting me as far anymore. Mm. So, so where are you? Um, I mean, I'm sort of done with the break, but it wasn't particularly relaxing. Like, I wish that I could have just really taken a break and enjoyed it for some definition of enjoy, mm. but I did not enjoy it. I did not enjoy not recording the podcast. I have not enjoyed dropping all of my healthy supportive habits on the floor. I don't like what it says about me. I feel like it contradicts my desire to lead by example. I'm just like not doing it right now and it hasn't felt great and I haven't enjoyed it. I wish I could have found something to enjoy instead. So should we take breaks? Well, what do you think? I guess, I mean, we experienced this break so differently and it was a different kind of break for me, you know, and um, a different kind of before and after. And so for me, it was a lot lighter, like just a little more space opened up in my life. And um, I did relax. Um, and now I'm ready to be back. And, and But it sounds like so much heavier for you, you know, like, you know, like it sounds like you're ready to be back, kind of, but some regrets about the break or sadness about it. Well, yeah, I feel sad on two levels. I feel sad that I can't enjoy breaks and I feel sad that I was in a break and not doing the things that I know feel good, uh, not doing not doing the doing that I know feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't, I also feel trapped in like, is it an excuse to say that it was necessary or is it the reality to say that it was necessary? Like I can create a story where anything, you know, had to be the way it was in order for me to learn what I needed to learn. But when I'm in something that feels like maybe I'm just making an excuse, like this isn't totally intentional, um, or maybe like what felt bad about it isn't that I – it's that I wasn't playfully being like, ah, today I won't go to the gym. I'm going to do something else instead. It was just like I'm making this motion like my back's rigid and I can't like get out of bed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that part of what I'm facing there is a radical reshaping of my uh, of my energy for the entire year that was brought about by like trying to bring it all together for this peak moment of a wedding, um, which I feel like self-conscious about this being a lot about the wedding because that seems like so heteronormative or whatever, not heteronormative, just like so cliche. Um, so cliche to have a wedding be the event of the year, but in practice, it was the event of the year for me. And so like there was this radical reshaping of energy to get there. 
And now it's like I feel I feel like I should have built my capacity, but actually I'm just out, you know. Mm-hmm. But am I just telling myself I'm out when actually I still have more capacity? Are you like empty? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Doesn't feel good. I know. I just feel like I should have been able to plan for how to feel good after, how to be gentle with myself after a big life event. And I didn't. I don't know if Mm. planning would have helped. Yeah, you know, Diana, you planned everything else. (laughs) You thought of every other variable for everyone else involved and you, and not, I guess, not the day after, like the day after the honeymoon. Yeah. I mean, I think what I thought would help was leaving more blank space in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That I I knew I would be tired, and so I left a lot of blank space. But it's not so nice to rebuild after, like, a fireworks show. You know, it's like I, I burned up everything I had, mm-hmm. and then there was just, like, garbage on the floor, and none of the fireworks piles left. Like, nothing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, there's something so natural about a peak and then a decline. Like a, what is it? The thing, a denouement, mm-hmm. something, you know, that comes after like a a threshold event mm-hmm. in your life where so much changes. And then it's like kind of those, the like macro changes are like done happening. They were, some of them were like a switch. Changing your name, changing your marital status, having the event of the wedding, and then quiet, like boom, and the birds were chirping and everything, and then like, yeah, yeah, really quiet. Well, yeah, and that's the annoying thing about quiet is that it doesn't feel that quiet. You know, it's not like I feel serene in the absence of other activities I feel like blech yeah it kind of reminds me of your relationship to vacation Mm -hmm. remember like you went through all these experiments to figure out what was your what was a vacation you could actually enjoy oh yeah and I ended up deciding that uh like a boot camp is basically the only <laughs> vacation I can enjoy because uh, it uh, it contrasts. It's like a fully immersive contrast experience to my day-to-day life. And if I'm fully occupied doing something else, I, uh, I don't get fidgety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it's no wonder that the... Mm, break feels like empty in a bad way yeah it's just like there's some amount of rest and recovery that I feel does support my 
purpose and feeling in life, but the rest and recovery does not itself feel good mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. Yeah. And that seems like a major personal flaw. A personal flaw. Why? Yeah, it just seems like I should be able to enjoy rest and recovery. Oh, should we? Do Should we enjoy rest and recovery? Yeah. Do we have to? Yeah, I had a, I'm remembering a conversation with my coach where we were talking about rest and recovery and how, um, how resistant I was to them. And she suggested a question for me, which is how do rest and recovery support your stake? Like stake being the thing that I'm going to care about no matter what, like the core of what I care about in this situation And so in that case, it was about how rest and recovery support my stake of having a beautiful day of connection in the form of the wedding. And in that case, it felt kind of clear, like rest and recovery, at least in terms of sleep, supported me looking very beautiful on my wedding day. You did look very beautiful. (laughs) So I was like, I'm not going to be at peak beauty if I don't sleep (laughs) get some sleep and I was really having trouble sleeping and so it was all very literal at the time uh and like now I think I I think I need a new steak and the rummaging around for a new steak especially when it's like not an active process when I'm just kind of like like everything's dropped on the floor and I need a new steak, but I'm not, like, actively searching for it. I don't feel ready yet. Yeah. Um, that feels bad because there's nothing that it's all for. Can I tell you about a, a, a related experience I yes. had? Okay. So uh, when I had mono, the whole time was rest and recovery for a year. And I have a different relationship to rest and recovery. Like, I mean, it was a very painful time, but also there's a part of me that, like, luxuriated mm-hmm. in it. Like, someone said, someone asked about, asked a friend about me, and the friend said, Lisa's really good at being sick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, maybe this is a personal flaw. I don't know, but, like, interesting. And then... um There was a point at which I was better, like better enough to go back to school, to go back to work. Um, And just as we we were just describing, it it was like, you know, I did the job of what I was supposed to do for the past year, the like rest and the recovery and all the stuff that was supposed to help me get better. And um, then I was like better enough. And I also felt so empty so like eerily quiet and I went to this talk around that time by um a professor of literature who he actually had had he had gone through cancer treatment and um then he wrote a more personal book about it and he described it as like the music of life just stopped. Mm-hmm. And it's a terrible feeling. And once he was better enough to return to his old life, 
it wasn't like the music just picked back up where it left off. And also, like, he wasn't even interested in the same music anymore, you know? And, like, that was kind of what I was facing at that time was like, well, my program is ready to accept me back. And the jobs I was doing before, I could go back and do them. And I have all these, like, um, self-care practices from being sick. Should I carry those over? And But also, all of a sudden, I just didn't care about anything. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't even know myself. I don't care about the things I always care about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was very confusing. But there's a part of me now that's like, well, of course, I went through a big transformation. Of course, everything wasn't exactly relevant the way it was before. But then you have all these loose threads and you're like, which ones do I pick up? How do I figure out if there are new threads? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of how one of the hardest things in product management is sunsetting slash killing features. Oh, yeah. Because it's good for the whole to be done with it forever. But some people are still attached to it. And it's not a very popular thing to do. Like, it doesn't make you popular amongst your colleagues to be asking for work that's just cleanup, you know, and uh, not just asking for, like, insisting on. And, you know, certainly that's one of my uh, one of my challenges as a product manager. It's something that I think I could focus more on. Uh, and it also, of course, shows up in my life. Like, I don't want to be... I don't want to go through the work of actually abandoning something for good, like really abandoning a habit that arose out of care in the first place and may still be okay, like may still be worth it, but may not be. It may not fit into my life now. Mm-hmm. And I think that when like care and necessity create habits and then life turns on its head there's a period of the music stopping where you're like I don't have anything the old habits the new habits like nothing makes sense anymore yeah and it also kind of is tracking with the seasons for you like like spring was like ah, oh, all of this newness and and like possibility and stuff and then summer included like this break mm-hmm. and 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 like you know a, a shift um and now it's like fall leaves kind of turning and i mean fall has good sides and hard sides yeah, it's just making me dread winter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can, uh, maybe you can choose what comes next. <laughs> Rearrange the seasons, the metaphorical seasons. Yeah, I feel not quite ready for a spring. Definitely ready for fall as long as I can skip winter. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see what we can do about that. Yeah, maybe summer is my winter, not only because of San Francisco, but because I have such a hard time with breaks. And vacation. And vacation. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> so, um, thank you to Women's Audio Mission. And should you tune in next time? We'll leave it to you. 